And so here we are, closing out 2016 uh, and entering into 2017, and whenever uh, we move from one year to the next year, that is always a time where we kind of regroup a little bit, right? I mean, we all kind of made the decision before Christmas, I'm going to eat whatever I want, do whatever I want, and come January 7th, I'll, I'll start engaging in some regrouping, right? I mean, the most, the most obvious regroup uh, in the new year is, is getting physically back in shape. Uh, I was talking to somebody from the YMCA, and they said, man, January, February, giant months for the YMCA, right? And then it starts fading all the way down to Christmas next year again, and then it starts again, because it's where we begin. It's where we begin. And so this year, as we close out 2016, get ready to open 2017, uh, it is obvious that we begin to uh, look at the decisions that need to be made for the upcoming year. We, we look at the commitments we want to uh, jump into. We perhaps look at some goals we want to set. And as we do that, if we know and love Jesus, then what we hope to do is that we hope to make sure we establish these decisions, these commitments, these goals in a manner that d- displays the fact that we believe what Jesus says, right? In other words, we want them to be biblical. So maybe you're going, I, I don't. Okay, fair enough. We'll talk after. But for most of us, I think we kind of want to say, yeah, I, I, I hopefully they're going to be biblical in some way. And so then our, our wrestle is, as I make these decisions, these commitments, these, uh, these goals, uh, I, I want to make sure I, I go back, I, I remember, or I, or, I, or I learn, or I step back into the truths of God, uh, the, the Bible, what God has to say, and then I, I allow those truths to inform me and, and inform how I'm going to look at things, and then I make decisions based on that. I actively act out on those truths. And that's, that's what we hope to do. And that is a really, really good thing, right? It's a much better thing than saying, I'm going to make a bunch of decisions. I don't really care what God says. No, it's a, it's a good thing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shape my life informed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we do run a particular risk in that process. And I think it's a risk uh, that we often find ourselves in, uh, landing in unintentionally and then living life in this space and missing out so much. Here's the risk that we run. We run the risk of having this thing we call a relationship with God be more of a relationship with truth than a relationship with God. That's the risk we run. Now, you might go, hold on, I, I'm, I'm confused by what you mean because God is truth. Here's what I mean. In our relating, our relationship, what we do is we say, okay, I am going to understand what truth is. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to relate to the truth. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to know what it is. Then I'm going to let it inform me, and I'm going to live by that truth. And I know that the truth is from God, so that's my, that's my connection to God, right? I have this truth. I know who it's from, and so I live by it, and that's what I mean when I say I have a relationship with God. But you see, the odd thing is that when the Scripture speaks of relationship with God, it takes it beyond simply an intellectual knowledge of the things God says so that we inform and shape our lives by those things, and it speaks of a much more dynamic reality with God. It speaks of what we might call relationship with. 
So when I have a relationship with truth, I understand the truth. It informs me. I live by it. Good. That is good. But it is not enough. It is not what we were made for. We were not made to have relationship with the truths of God. We were, we were made to have relationship with God, which includes believing His truths and living by them. You with me? So, so, so here's what, listen to this. Here's what the author of Galatians, Paul writes about how we are to live in this dynamic. Listen to what this sounds like. This is so interesting. Uh, uh, this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, okay? And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then then look what he says. He talks about what you're going to gratify. And then in verse 25, he says, if... If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying each other. Now, if Paul simply wanted us, if God through Paul simply wanted us to understand what was right and true and to live by it, then he would not have put in this, in this paragraph, walk by the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. He would have said, walk by the truth. Walk in step with the truth. But he said, no, 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 no. The Spirit of God lives within you. He is truth and He reveals truth. But I want you to walk by Him, not just by the truth that He reveals. There is a dynamic there. Now, do you know why it's so difficult to do that? See, this is one of the challenges as we as a teaching team talked this week and talked about this weekend and talked about where we go and we realized, you know, you know it's super challenging to have a dynamic relationship with God. We all kind of say we do, but it's really, really hard. Because to connect with God, what does that even really mean? It's not hard to have a relationship with truth. You study it, you know it, you have it inform you, you do it. That's not difficult. The only difficulty with a relationship with truth is that truth might disagree with your particular preferences, and then you've got to decide which truth you're going to take, right? So the difficulty is the truth offends you, and then you're like, oh, but it's true, and so I've got to do it. But there isn't a difficulty in relating, but there is a very, very grand challenge in relating to God. You know why? Because... We are used to relating to things that are tangible, that are in front of us. Truth is tangible. You, you read it right here, and then you decide whether you're going to believe it or not, right? We are tangible to each other. If I want to relate to you, you know what I do? I get with you, and I say, hey, would you mind grabbing a cup of coffee, grabbing some lunch, and you go, sure, why don't we do that? Then we go, and we get a cup of coffee. Do you know how that works? You sit down at a table. And then one of you awkwardly starts a conversation. So, how was your Christmas? Well, there's the beginning point. Now, if you say, how was your Christmas, and the other person just stares at you, that's going to be super odd, right? Then you might say something else. I mean, like, uh, was it good? They keep staring. Um, how are you? They keep staring. See, that would not go well. But what actually creates relational dynamic is that they don't just stare, right? They speak. So you say something, then they say something in response to what you said, then you process what they say, then you say something, then they process, then they say something, and an hour later, you've said a lot. And it's awesome. 
and you feel like you are connected better than you were when, we, when you started, unless the things you said were mean, and then you're just mad, right? So, but either way, it was a dynamic relationship, right? Because you were there. Now, here's what happens with God. We come into relationship with God. We sit down at the coffee table, and we say something. And then God doesn't say anything. So then we say something again. Then he doesn't say anything. So we keep saying stuff and eventually, here's what happens. We develop a relationship with God that's one-sided. We come to God and we only, we only participate in the activities that are one-sided because they're comfortable. We come and corporately worship together. We don't need God to say anything, do we? Because we're all here singing to him. Right? And it's great because I'm relating to God. I'm going to say stuff to you. And then, and then, and then you know, we, we, we might read this and we're like, oh my gosh, yes, there it is. God is speaking. But the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, we are relating to the truths of God more than a dynamic reality with God because now we are studying like we would study a book in college, right? That's how you experience this most of the time. It's the same as me. I experience this as I need to know what's in this in order to do what's good and right and in some way let God know in some secret way that I'm for Him and with Him. And, and so we, we read this. We participate in prayer as a one-sided reality. And, and now, because we don't want to just be like beggars, we create all sorts of prayers about not begging. Like, you know, you got to make sure you're, you're like uh, worshiping in prayer as well. And you now what's the Acts one? You know, af uh, 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 affirmation. No, that's the wrong word. I forget Acts. Confession and, and thanksgiving and then supplication at the very end, right? It's a cool little thing. Nice, nice little acronym. Um, so, so you start by telling God how awesome he is. And then you, and then you, and then you tell him the, how thankful you are. And then you tell him uh, what you've done wrong. And, and then you ask him for stuff. So we do things like that. But it's still ultimately one-sided, isn't it? You talk, you leave, and then if he does what you want, he's real. That's kind of how we roll, and it's kind of weird. So the question then is, how do we actually develop a relationship with God that isn't one-sided? How do we actually develop a relationship with God, the Spirit of God, rather than just the truth of God? How do we do that? That would be an interesting question to answer as we enter 2017, wouldn't it? Because it would move us from simply informing our life by truth and shaping it by truth to actually seeking out in 2017 a dynamic with God that might begin to inform us as we go, not just inform us when we're making decisions. Well, I will tell you that after a long journey with God and many challenges in relating to God, I have found a few key things that have shaped and changed the way I relate to God from a one-sided relationship and a relationship with the truths of God to a two-sided relationship and a relationship with the God behind these truths. Three things have helped me significantly. These are not the only three things. This is not a limited list, but these are the big ones for me personally. The communicators this weekend, uh, in fact, many of us are communicating. I'm here tonight, and, and Javier's doing uh, the Latino gathering, and Brady is doing Sunday, and Joel's doing Sunday. And this weekend, we're all doing totally different messages, same topic, totally different messages, because we all said, each of you have challenges relating to God. Why don't you go figure out what yours are? 
are, and then lay out what you've discovered. So if you listen into their messages, you're going to find additional things beyond what I'm giving you that their challenges have helped. These are mine. And so I hope these will be helpful to you as you enter 2017 to go, oh my goodness, I want to press into that a little bit. So here, here it is. Three simple things have shaped the way I relate to God. Here it is. First one. I, I have had to learn to develop language to hear from God. I've had to develop language to hear from God. And you go, hmm, what do you, what do you mean? Is there a secret language? I do not know. Yes, in, in, in Second Chronicles, there's a language. No, I'm just kidding. There, there's not. Um, what I mean by developing language is that I lack a vocabulary through which God speaks to me so often because I'm not disciplined in learning the words that God has, right? So here's the deal. See this, see this puppy right here? This is, we are told, not just a textbook, but the living, breathing Word of God. Now we say those things, don't we? Oh, yeah, it's the living, breathing Word of God. It's not breathing, and it's not alive, right? So what on earth do we mean by that? We say these things like, oh yeah, that's real, but it's just a book. But what we mean when we say it's the living, breathing Word of God is this, that the dynamic of what God breathed into this book is good for all generations, and He, the Spirit of God, will speak to our immediate situations through words He wrote down 2,000 years ago. In this book is the vocabulary that God uses to speak concrete truth to our lives so that our flesh and our own ideas don't get in the way, okay? Because if it was just God never gave us this and it was up to each one of us just to hear from God, then you'd hear all sorts of crazy stuff that has nothing to do with God and it's you, as would I. And then we'd come together and say, God told me this. And, and I wouldn't have any clue to be able to say, yes, he did or no, he didn't. But now if you go, I was driving on the road and the guy cut me off and God said, just kill him. And I did. Then I can go, God couldn't have said that because in here he said, don't ever do that, right? See, there's a concrete nature to this that is the vocabulary of God, not just simple truths. And so what God says is take this word and hide it inside of yourself so that whenever he wants to speak to you, you have a vocabulary. I learned this in, in my journey in colliding with people that speak a different language than me. Probably the space I learned it most was in the beautiful collision that occurred in my home a couple of years ago when four of my children arrived in my home uh, with my other four children. Now, we experience this whenever a child arrives in our home, right? Because when a child arrives in our home, they have no vocabulary. They just go, eh. And we go, what do they want? And then you try the bottle and you rock them and you sing to them. And if, and if they smile, then apparently you've done something good. And if they cry more, you keep trying stuff because they can't tell you anything. Why not? Why can a baby not speak to you? Because they have no vocabulary. When my children arrived that had one language, but they did not have English as a language, and I didn't have their language, we started out smiling at each other. We would hug. It was, okay, what does this mean? There was lots of body language, hand signals, but there was no vocabulary. So at best, listen carefully now, at best, 
I could direct their lives not to kill themselves. Don't go there. Swimming pool, drown, death, right? (laughs) But when one of them looked sad, there was nothing I could do about that because I had no vocabulary to engage in the heart issues. Now, a number of years later, my infants have grown into children and my children that arrived have learned English. Now, some days I go, if only they had no vocabulary, (laughs) right? But the truth is I don't wish that because if they had no vocabulary, all I would have is sign language, but not even like real sign language. I'm talking about like hand waving and hugs and smiles. I think we find ourselves with God so often having sign language as our only limitation, right? A rainbow on a particular day. Oh, it's a sign from God. I was feeling down and he gave me a rainbow. Does God ever do that? Have a bird fly by your path because you're feeling down? Sure he does, absolutely. God does many wonderful things for us. But if all you have with God is a relationship that every now and then there's a sign and you may or may not know it's a sign from God or it may or may not be a sign from God, then you are limited in your ability to have a two-way relationship with God because you can do lots of talking because he can understand your language, but you can't hear from him because you have none of his hidden in your heart. So here's what I've learned. The more of this I place inside of me, and we call it in our cultural context, memorization. You just memorize it. Did you know that everything you're hearing me say right now is an act of memorization on your part? Every word I'm speaking and the sequence in which I'm putting them and the tenses in which I'm having them, you've memorized. At some point, you had to memorize all this stuff. I've memorized it too. And because we've both memorized it and it means the same thing, chair, 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 chair. We've got, there you go. We have language, see? And that's memorization. You memorize this, and then God begins to speak. You're walking through a particular day. You're wrestling through some things. You're struggling. And God says, hey, Renaud, listen, just remember, I know you feel like you're blowing it today, but I will finish the work I began in you, I promise. Wow, thanks God, I needed that. Where did that come from? Philippians chapter one, that's where that came from. I know it's concrete truth because I memorized it. Hey, Renault, Renault, love is patient and kind. I know what they just did, but it's patient and kind. So respond appropriately. Thanks God, I was about to do something insane or I just did something insane. Renault, you know love is patient and kind. That was not patient or kind. There's this cool way you fix that. You ask for forgiveness and you repent. See, that truth has been memorized out of passages all over here. Sometimes it's direct, specific verses. Consider it pure joy, Renault, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that it is the testing of your faith that will develop perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, so do not fret. That's direct. But then there's also other times like, Renault, honor other people, man. You know that's better. That's also out of here, but it's not a direct verse. Well, it is actually out of Romans chapter 12, but that's another story. So here's the, here's the point, right? The more language you build into yourself, the more God will begin to speak, I'm telling you. Here's the other option you have. If you haven't memorized a ton, one, start. And two, if you actually read this every day, stop making it a devotional to get the gold star in Sunday school. Please, please. That's how we learned to do this. 
you have a devotional every day because that's good for you. Then you will know a truth. Then you go live by that truth. And we were developed as people that needed to have a relationship with truth. Do you know why you read this every day? Because it is the vocabulary of God. And when you read it, you are actively involved in placing it in your mind in that moment, and then for the rest of the day, it tends to linger with you. Now, by tomorrow, you have lost that vocabulary, and unless you memorize it, it may be lost to you, but for that day, God has that to speak. You want to have a two-way relationship with God? Then you have got to develop a vocabulary. That's going to take time. It's going to be hard. You've got to memorize stuff, but if you don't want to do that, that's okay. Just understand all you got is butterflies, rainbows, and birds, and you can pray all day long because God can understand you, but that's a that's an unfortunate way to live with God, isn't it? For something as silly as just memorize some stuff. Second, you got to make space. You got to make space to actually just be you and God. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about a quiet time, though a quiet time is good. Don't get me wrong. But see, quiet times so often have become so much a part of our rhythmic way of living that it actually perpetuates a relationship with truth more than a relationship with God. Now, for some of you, your quiet times are the most incredible, intimate times with God. Fantastic. Keep doing that. But for some of you, that's not. It's just what you do. So here's what I had to do. Uh, my life goes a thousand miles an hour constantly, right? And so I just kind of, I memorize a bunch and I, I, and I read a bunch, more consequence that Sunday comes every week and so I, I have to. So that's a luxury I have, right? And I thank God for that. Honestly, I think of you guys often and go, you don't have a Sunday coming that you have to read this and you have to understand this. I do. I get up here and I haven't done that. It's going to be awkward for all of you. Uh, I didn't actually do anything this week, so I have no idea what to tell you. But God is good. You know, that's not going to work. And so I have to, and I thank God every week that he's put me in a position with all my ADD that forces me to have to do that. You don't have to, because you don't have to do what I do, but that is not, that's not a win, that's a lose, and so you have to fight harder than I do. And, and here's the thing, what I learned is that I've got to make space to teach my soul just to be still and give God the chance to speak outside of the race in which I'm in every day. So you know what I started doing this last year? Um, I found a piece of land in the middle of nowhere, five minutes from here, right? And I would drive there almost every day, and I would walk to the middle of the land, and I would stand there for 30 minutes. I'd set my little watch, and then I'd, you know, so, so it sets, so it'll just buzz in 30 minutes, and I would stand there like this. Huh. I wouldn't pray. Mm-mm. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to worship music. Nope. No, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything. Here's all I would do. I'd start the 30 minutes this way. If you, if you want to say something, feel free. I'm right here. If you have nothing to say, then this will be a good 30 minutes for my soul to learn to listen. And I would stand there. A lot of times God had nothing to say. Just so you know. It wasn't like, and every time I did, there was a profound truth that arrived. No, no, a lot of times 30 minutes would go by and I would have to fight the temptation that I just wasted 30 minutes of my life. But then I would realize I didn't waste anything because if we don't learn to make space to just be with God, then we will never have a two-way relationship with him. You see, the problem is you and I don't make space for God because God is not very demanding in a tangible way, right? You make space for your friends. Why? Because you bump into them a lot and it gets awkward if you haven't talked to them, right? Come on, let's just be honest. 
You make space for your friends because they're awesome? No, that's not totally it. Or you make space for them because you need them, right? So we make space for God whenever we need God. But when we don't really need God, then we don't really make space for God because He isn't there on Sunday in the lobby going, Hi, why didn't you answer the seven texts I sent? Right? But, but here's the deal. If you believe that a relationship with God is a critical part of how we live life, then you have to make sure that you're creating space for God to speak. Now, God doesn't need your space to speak to you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like God's poor little hands are tied and he's trying to shout to you and you're just not making space for him and he's sad. That's not how God works. He is a majestic, mighty creator and sustainer of all things. You only breathe because he feels like having you breathe. I mean, just think about that for a second. In fact, if he decided to stop thinking about you, you cease to exist because you are only sustained by the very nature of him thinking about you. Do you understand that he didn't make you and then leave you? He sustains you, which means your existence for all of eternity depends on him existing and thinking about you. That's an extraordinary thing. He does not need your space, but you need your space made for him. Otherwise, your relationship with God while on this planet will be a one-way street. You pray when you need him. He does things for you, sometimes shows you some neat signs, and that's it. You have a relationship with his truth. It informs you. You live by it, but that's it. You want a dynamic relationship with God? Develop language, memorize scripture, read a lot, and make space once you've got the vocab to just let him speak. And you know what starts happening? I know this from experience. Then God, once you start hearing him in the quiet spaces, then you're driving in the car and he starts talking to you. It gets a bit weird at first because you're like, that verse just popped in my head. Is that me thinking about it or is that God telling me something? It's a verse from the Bible. Does it matter? It's an awesome verse. And if you were thinking about it and it wasn't God, well, then good, put it into practice. And if it was God, well, then good, put it into practice. Sometimes it'll be him, sometimes it'll be you, but it's from here. So it is what? The word of God. So he is speaking. Isn't that beautiful? And you've learned to listen. Final thing, final thing. Here it is. Ready? So here it is. Develop vocabulary or language. Make space. And here's the final one. Learn to listen to what God says. Now you might say, you just said that. No, no, I didn't. This is different, okay? When you make space, you learn to hear what God has to say. But listening to God isn't simply a hearing what he has to say. It's a putting into practice what he has to say. Okay? The beauty of hearing from God is that when he tells you something, he's always right. <laughs> he's never wrong. When your parents tell you stuff, they may have great hearts and they may be right some of the time and they may be wrong some of the time because they are as limited as you. Right? They're human you still have to listen to them because God said you do, and they're trying hard, and they do know more than you, but sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. God is never wrong. So when he speaks, especially out of what you've memorized, then you can know you need to put it into practice. Listen to this. Okay, listen to this. This is so cool. James talks about what it means to listen to God, and he actually says it this way. In James chapter 1, in verse 5, listen to what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, 
and it will be given to you. Isn't that awesome? Are you lacking wisdom? Well, come and read this thing, memorize it, and ask God to give you wisdom, and He will. But now look what He says. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We've often used that verse as this. Whenever you ask God, you better believe whatever you're asking because otherwise he won't give it to you. That's not what the verse means. The verse means this. Once you've asked and God's given you wisdom, don't be foolish and not put it into practice. That's like saying this, no, I didn't like that wisdom, God. Now, when I meant wisdom, I meant something that wouldn't offend my soul and wouldn't con contradict my truth. So I'm going to go ahead and do it my way anyway because your way doesn't seem right. Then he's saying, that man is double-minded and will be tossed to and fro. Don't expect God will give you anything because God's wisdom is not optional. It's not like, well, here's one piece of wisdom, but if you go with your way, it might still work out. God's going, this is the way to do it. And if you don't do it this way, the other way is destructive. So, so have fun with that. In Philippians, listen to what, what Paul writes in Philippians. This is so cool. This is what listening to God means. Learning to listen is to have vocabulary, to make space to hear what God has to say, and then to put it into practice. Here it is, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, put these things into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Listening actively is our choice to take the truths we've memorized that then God has spoken to us and believing those truths and putting them into practice. If you and I this year memorize a bunch of scripture, read often, make space to give our hearts and souls the chance to listen to what God is saying and then learn to listen to it by putting it into practice. I promise you this, hear me, I promise you this, your relationship with God will move from a one-way relationship to a two-way relationship. It will move from a relationship with truth to a relationship with God. Truth won't change and you'll still be informed by the truths of God, but it will be dynamic, not by truth alone, but by the Spirit of God who is truth, and so it works out really well. So in 2017, I hope you're making plans or will make plans. I hope that those plans will be informed by the gospel. I hope truth, the truth of God, will help inform the decisions, commitments, and goals you set. But I hope that that's not all you do. I hope more than that, that you will make 2017, as I am hoping to, a time to dig in to the dynamic two-way relationship we were created for, as Galatians said, walk in the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit and let the Spirit speak to you as you go so that the plans and decisions and commitments that you made are a supplement to the daily wonder of what God has for you, both to show you and to use you in. This is relationship with God, not simply relationship with truth. And this is the invitation given to us by the scriptures for 2017 and beyond. Let's go do that. Pray with me. God, thank you for your incredible love for us, that you would not simply regurgitate truth in a book, give it to us like a text, and say, hey, listen, study this, 
and you'll know how to live. This is the workbook for life. But that you actually say something extraordinarily different. You say, no, no, no. This book is breathed by me, every word. And it is dynamic. It is alive. And as you read it, as you memorize it, it will become like a vocabulary to you through which I speak so that each day, though it does not change, it changes. And though it changes, it does not change. God, thank you that this is what we have in your word, not a textbook, but a language. May we, may we engage in the word of God differently than we ever have because it is a language waiting to be utilized so that you might speak to us as much as we speak to you. And then as you speak, as we develop vocabulary, help us to make space to go sit, be still, and know that you are God. And then as you show us the beauty of truth in the dailiness, give us the courage to listen actively by putting into practice the things we learn. So that we are not just guided by truth that comes from you, but we are actually guided by you who is truth and comes to us. We love you. Help us figure out what this looks like in 2017, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.